Hello, welcome to the Global Content Design Podcast. Today we're talking to Catherine Ejazeli, also known as Kat. She's a UX writer, an industry speaker, and she is a dedicated UX educator on platforms such as ADP List and her own UX writing community, which is called UX Content Champ. Today we're talking about everything content in Nigeria. Kat, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. First of all, why don't you tell me where are you in the world? I'm currently in Nigeria. That's West Africa, Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And tell me a little bit about your role and how you kind of got to where you are now. My journey into UX writing, content design was a little bit, I would say, unconventional. Uh, Mine came through the world of SEO, so through the world of search. I used to write search engine optimized content as a copywriter. So I had no say as to whatever happens to the users after they are converted from Google. And so this led me to explore more challenging roles. Like for instance, being the sole content developer in a startup where I was opportune to write social media copies, to website copies, landing pages, transactional emails, uh, you know, this kind of solidified my interest and experience. This has shaped the, the kind of multidisciplinary approach I have to doing UX writing uh, at Toptal, where I get to collaborate with engineering, marketing, design, even customer teams to, you know, overlap our business goals with our users' goals as well. This sounds great. So what is digital like in Nigeria? How is content seen? Digital content, I would say, is currently evolving. I mean, we just had our first content design UX writers conference. (laughs) Yeah, I think mainly because the influence mobile has everywhere, not just in Nigeria. Mobile is increasingly becoming the default, but we're seeing this increase mainly amongst younger and urban demographics. There's still a lot more to be done in terms of rural users and, you know, people that aren't so tech savvy. So, but then there is still like a large increase, there's significant increase in sectors like finance. We have so many amazing finance um, tech companies and an improvement in e-commerce as well. So yeah, it's digital content is really, really evolving as mobile is evolving so as well. Okay. Because here, some companies will design for laptops and tablets uh-huh. and then mobile is a bit of an afterthought. Whereas what you're saying is in Nigeria, mobile is really pushing development. Is that right? Yeah, I think the challenge you're talking about is still the same thing here because people will always still design for web first before optimizing for mobile. But uh, that was why when I I said it, I said it's mainly amongst the younger demographics because um, the the younger people tend to be more tech-inclined. So everyone has like a mobile device. Everyone has friends they want to chat with. So there's so much to do on mobile compared to desktop. 
So um, in terms of seeing all that growth, we're seeing it in that younger demographics and also um, people in the urban areas. It's a real problem to try and get to people who don't have like a mobile phone. Um, do you have any view of the kind of exclusion, inclusion areas of digital? So for example, I I know for a fact that when it comes to rural areas, people who tend to be more like farmers, market people that's traders, and you know those kind of traditional occupations, it takes a lot of convincing, first of all, to explain to them how digital could influence what they are already doing. Because what they are doing is like, I wake up in the morning, I take my tools, I go twirl the, the, the ground, right? So there's a lot of outreach, probably um, using, uh, introducing icon-first designs, designs that are not really too heavy on text per se. Uh, we have, I think in Nigeria alone, we have over 500 local languages. So if you're thinking of localization, it is really, really challenging. I know some companies are exploring that right now, but I can't really say for a fact that it's mainstream yet, but there's like serious opportunity there because if content can be, you know, localized into the local languages of these people in the rural areas, it would make such an impact. Let's just pull that out. 500. There's over 500 local languages. <laughs> How different are these languages? Are, is it like a little tweak here and there or is it like a completely different vocabulary? Okay, so one interesting thing about Nigeria here is that, first of all, we have three major languages. So we have three um, major ethnic groups that they call the three major languages. So within these major languages, there are like subsets and, you know, more subsets and, you know, just smaller languages. So in some areas, it's probably little tweaks. The phonetics are a little bit similar. You could try to guess what another person is saying, but in some areas, it's totally different. Right. We're <laughs> on a podcast, so you can't tell that my jaw has just hit the floor. <laughs> if your government... Or if you're, you know, something that is nationwide, how do you communicate when people have 500, over 500 little tweaks to their language? How do you do that? Okay, so uh, I think what really helps is that, first of all, we are actually an English-speaking country. So our lingua franca is actually English. So if the government was to communicate anything, I, I think it would be English first because that is our lingua franca. But then I believe there will be other aids to um, transcribe or communicate um, to the other folks that don't understand English. But first of all, we are English speaking. I speak English. Hi. <laughs> I know. And you have a beautiful voice. I can listen to you read the phone book out. Gorgeous. <laughs> um, I'm just really curious. Can you give me like a concrete example of something that may be very different? If I were to apply for something that is really, really um, locally inclined, then I'll perhaps need to meet some of my friends that are familiar with the locals of that place and get a tip or two. So, yeah. That's mad. <laughs> that just kind of takes user research to a whole new level. It does, actually. Yes. You're right. So what are the, what are the 
What are the challenges around producing content? We always reference, we reference research, case studies or studies done by our friends in Europe, for example. We don't really have uh, accessible, much accessible data from studies that has been, you know, carried out by a group of user researchers in Nigeria. So it's a lot more challenging trying to bring people from diverse areas together try to make sense of something. Also, sometimes some of the tools for user research, some of them aren't really accessible to Nigerians. So is user research, is that is that a big thing in Nigeria? Do you all have access to researchers? We do have user researchers. I know a couple of them. Uh, judging from when I used to work with local companies, Maybe you you could just be lucky to have one on your team if you're really, really lucky. And I think that's also why UX writers or content designers tend to be really, really multidisciplinary because if even if there's no user researcher, at least you can conduct some discovery research at base level and be able to do some content-specific research and then interpret that data into actionable words. Sometimes... In some countries, in some areas, uh, content isn't really valued. People don't listen, really. When content, people say, no, you can't have 5,000 words on X. You know, they don't listen. They go, but I want it. And then they get it because they usually pay more in the organization. Is it the same in Nigeria? I think it's the same thing everywhere. It's very, very common for businesses to be obsessed with the numbers as they should, because businesses operate to make money. And then we as UX writers, content designers, were there to actually bridge that gap between the users and the business, just try to overlap it and for it to make sense. What I've found that really, really helps is to be able to understand some business acumen, understand some business language, and instead of just the user, the user, you, the user, find a way to speak their language, find a way to speak how this impacts the bottom line as a whole. And most times you gain that buy-in. But yes, there's always that resistance. It happens. You create a strategy, you create copy, someone else goes into there and changes something to something trendy. It's very common everywhere. I am waiting. I am waiting to hear from somebody to say, no, that's not the case. It's just not the case in my country. I'm going to keep going. Until I find one. <laughs> um, all right, that's amazing. If you had a magic wand, what would you use it for? I currently have I currently have a program, the UX Content Champ. It's a UX writing program. And I've been thinking a lot about how to impact young people, young girls at the local level. Um, probably maybe during their summer holidays or something, just find a way to, even if it's just one or two modules, to introduce them to what digital content is. I haven't found a way around it yet. I, pr I probably haven't found the right people to speak to, but that's something that I know would really, really be transformative. And also for our own work, to impact our own work, I think if um, localized content can be mainstream, that would be really, really nice. All the wonderful products 
that we're working on, if they're accessible by everyone, regardless of their location. I mean, that would be really, really amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be. Let me take you back to that first thing you said about um, uh, young girls and getting them into it. Is there, um, in terms of digital education with you, do you think that there is there is something missing at university level, at school level, or I've spoken with I've spoken with a few friends abroad, and I hear I hear things like. Um, courses um, being, you know, digital courses, digital education being introduced into the normal school curriculum. And I've also read uh, even masters, when I was exploring options for my masters, for instance, you can see in other countries, uh, they have digital options. There's user experience as a pathway in traditional universities now. That's not something we have in Nigeria right now, to the best of my knowledge. That's not something we have in our uh, traditional curriculum. So that's there's a gap there. I don't know how to influence it at that top, top level. But I think just probably just starting in my own way, visiting schools. I, I don't have the strategy yet, but I know that's something I really, really want to do. Just young girls in, you know, very underrepresented areas. Because once in a while, when I see people go there to do outreach, you see them trying out the mobile devices or whatever devices. They are really excited. You can see the joy in, on their face. It's like magic to them. So I really, really want to be able to make an impact beyond them just smiling and experiencing this magic. I kind of want to also tell them that you can actually create this magic. This content you're seeing that you're smiling at, you can actually be on a team that could design this entire experience. I think that would really, really be great. So, yeah. This is amazing. I also can't believe you're just, <laughs> you're just sitting there, you're smiling away and you're talking about changing a country. <laughs> Can we just sit there and reflect on that for a minute? That is such an incredible endeavor. It's such a, um, yeah, it's it's amazing. We were, you know, we're going to send you some more books. I don't know. We, <laughs> Thank you. It is an amazing endeavor. Tell me a little bit about this conference that you had then. Yeah. So the conference was uh, actually organized by UX Writers Africa, a small group of ladies, two ladies that. They really, really blew my mind because one of them I used to be like, I used to be like, I would say an indirect uh, mentor to her. She reached out and said uh, she was looking at organizing this conference. And I was like, you have my back, whatever you want. And they all started, it just kept getting bigger and bigger, you know, more support from uh, people like you, Content Design London. Uh, button and so many other sponsors and boom it happened <laughs> and I traveled all the way I live in the northern part of Nigeria and this conference happened in the western part so it's quite a mile so I, I took a flight all the way down to deliver the keynote speech when I was invited to do that because I was like this is groundbreaking it was really really massive so the theme of the conference was um, Beyond Words, Using Content to Design Experiences. 
And we had, from the attendees, we had um, aspiring UX writers and content designers and also people working in this space. And we also had, across the panelists and speakers, we had like a fully fleshed product team. So we had, there was the, the other, there was a developer, a researcher, and writers as well. It was really, really nice. Shout out to UX Writers Africa. It was really, really amazing. I think overall, I felt really, really at home for the first time. It felt like I was with like minds. We were nerding over the words and we were really having fun. So I do hope this uh, turns into a yearly thing. And I'm really, really grateful to you guys for all the support you show us here in Africa. I'm looking forward to, as I mentioned to the, the founder, I'm really looking forward to, so beyond the conference, it's one thing to have a conference. I'm really looking forward to the impact that we make let people hear and see that there is a movement, there's something going on. And um, I'm seeing the change already because before I left their city and came back to mine, I met with a couple of product owners and I kept singing in their ears. We had a conference, we are a thing, you know, you guys shouldn't look down on us and all of that. And just last night here, I think they, they, are, they are organizing uh, a no-code conference for non-technical folks working in tech. And just last night here, the the organizer of that event actually reached out to me with free tickets for UX writers. It was like, hey, Kat, so here are tickets. Please send to the UX Writers Africa community. They have free tickets to join. And I'm seeing it already. I love it. Like, I really, really love it. And I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> you are such a trailblazer in so many ways. Um, thank you. So community, hugely important. Um, what does it mean over there? Community is everything, honestly, because when you're, you're locked up in your space, the only persons you're communicating with are online. Sometimes you just need a breath of fresh air. And so there is this co-working space for tech folks and writers as well. And I used to go there way back, way, way early in my career. And that was where my sense of community started. Even at work, at Top Tau, you know, viewing my colleagues as friends instead of just colleagues. I mean, yesterday we had an amazing workshop that I facilita uh, facilitated and everyone really, really had fun. It doesn't even feel like working. So that's what community means to me. It's togetherness. It's not competition. It's being able to share together when there are opportunities. You're able to share with people when stuff is going on. You're able to support the best way you can. And yeah, community is togetherness. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so my last question for you is can you think of any kind of idioms that would work in Nigeria but nowhere else? Ah, <laughs> okay. So we have a certain type of English that's called pidgin. I think <laughs> it's actually called pidgin. And I think I could say so to you right now and tell you the meaning. So we have things like no wahala. So no wahala means no problem. It's like a way to show resilience. 
I think you should look up um, Nigerian vernacular and pidgin when you're free. It's really interesting. <laughs> okay, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to put some links in. Yes. So we have those kind of slangs. No wahala. Eh, jara. So jara means, we say you're buying something and then you're telling the person to add more. I think these are things that are totally specific to Nigerians. I think there are some fintech products right now that are are also uh, applying these uh, cultural context in their experience to make it more fun. There are some words, they, there are some slogans that they use, you understand. So um, maybe slogans that are related to money. So I would say our vernacular and pidgin English is very, very peculiar and specific to us. Amazing. Okay, we will have a look at that. I, I just wanted to say that you are simply one of the most inspirational people I've met. Thank you so much, Sarah. This means the You are taking on a whole country. Who does that? <laughs> well, apparently you do. <laughs> I can see the heart in it. You know, this industry, it can be so mercenary and it can be all about power and glitter and kudos. Yeah. And you're not. You're talking about young girls coming into an industry and you're talking about changing everything from a community heart. And that is just, that is sustainable. Money and glitter, it never, it, it just, it's empty. And I just wanted to say hats off to you. It means a lot hearing this from you. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. This was nice.